Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. Please pray with me. Your Father in heaven, we ask you as we do every week to be here with us this morning. And we trust that you are here with us. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Please sit. Those of you who know me well, and many of you who have been invited to have lunch with me, will know that perhaps nothing on this earth makes me happier than an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet. Now, if you... If you hear that as an insult, if I've never invited you to lunch with me at Jumbo Buffet, the corner of Hurstbourne and Taylorsville, you shouldn't take it as an insult. It's only because I don't want to be seen there every single day. Uh, Did you know, in fact, that all you can eat Chinese buffets have frequent shopper cards? I bet you didn't, but I do. Now, a lot of church planters who don't have like offices they can work at tend to hang out at a Starbucks or other coffee shops to sort of get away from home and have a little space where they can get some work done. My dream is a little different. My dream is to have a regular booth at Jumbo Buffet where I take all my meetings and they just keep refilling my water and my plate of lo mein as I slowly get bigger and bigger and bigger. But as wonderful as all-you-can-eat Chinese is, there's one aspect that always disappoints every single time, and I'm speaking, of course, of the fortune cookie. I feel like we need to have some, some kind of intervention for the fortune cookie makers. I mean, how hard is it to come up with something that's going to happen in the future, write it on a piece of paper, and put it in a cookie? That's all I want in this world is for the cookie to tell me what's going to happen to me. But you almost never get an actual fortune in a fortune cookie anymore. Instead, you get sometimes true, but never helpful platitudes, right? Trust is the glue of any successful relationship. You have to start at the beginning. Honesty is the best policy. You can see a lot just by looking. These are the kinds of things that you get in cookies these days. I mean, seriously, when I get an actual fortune anymore, I get really excited. A new surprise is waiting just around the corner. Yes, let's see what that is. But you almost never get a fortune anymore. They shouldn't even call them fortune cookies. Fortunes are so rare. They should call them platitude cookies. And when I first read our reading this morning from Jeremiah, it came... It came off to me as something that I might have pulled out of a platitude cookie at Jumbo Buffet. Cursed are those who trust in mere mortals and make mere flesh their strength, whose hearts turn away from the Lord. They shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when relief comes. 
They shall live in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water, sending out its roots by the stream. Can't you just so easily read that as a true but not particularly helpful fortune cookie platitude? Don't trust in your own strength. Trust in the Lord. Being planted by a stream is better than being a shrub in the desert. Okay, that's true. I think we could all agree. But how does that help me? Uh, There's a little story in the Arnold Lobel classic uh, Mouse Soup that I'm sure you kids all know and you adults all have read to your kids that gets at this. I want to read you just a little, a little, the first half of one of these little stories called Two Large Stones. You know this. Two large stones sat on the side of a hill. Grass and flowers grew there. This side of the hill is nice said the first stone, but I wonder what is on the other side of the hill. We do not know. We never will, said the second stone. One day, a bird flew down. Bird, can you tell us what is on the other side of the hill? Asked the stones. The bird flew up into the sky. He flew high over the hill. He came back and said, I see towns and castles. I see mountains and valleys. It is a wonderful sight. The first stone said, All those things are on the other side of the hill. How sad, said the second stone. We cannot see them. We never will. The two stones sat on the side of the hill. They felt sad for 100 years. Now, If you know the book, that's not the end of the story for the stones, but it does illustrate the frustrating truth about platitudes. If you're a stone stuck on one side of the hill, it doesn't do you any good to hear about how nice the other side of the hill is. You can't get there. In the same way, it's one thing to hear that trusting in the Lord is better than trusting in your own strength. Because being planted by a stream is better than being a shrub in the desert. But does that do you any good? If, as Jeremiah describes it, you actually live in the land of parched places of the wilderness. In an uninhabited salt land. I mean, doesn't that just sound like your life sometimes? Parched places of the wilderness, an uninhabited salt land. That's where we live. It's not like Jeremiah's words are coming to us as we parachute down and we sort of have those uh, right and left controls and we're choosing between what's laid out before us, the beautiful lush valley on the left and the parched desert on the right. Which one of us would choose to go to the desert? No one. And yet here we find ourselves. We know, every one of us in here knows that it's better to trust in the Lord. And yet we find that we are relying on our own strength all the time. We know that the other side of the hill is beautiful. 
but we find ourselves to be stones, deeply rooted to the ground. We're not up on the lush mountain peaks. We're down in the valley of the shadow of death, as David wrote in his psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's you and me. That's where we spend most of our time. That's where we live. Jeremiah acknowledges this, actually, just a couple of verses after he draws this distinction between trusting in the Lord and trusting in your own strength, between being planted by streams and being a shrub in a parched desert. He says, the heart is devious above all else. It is perverse. Who can understand it? What does he mean when he says that the heart is perverse? Remember, he's just said, it's good to trust in the Lord. It's bad to trust in your own strength. But the heart, he says, is perverse. You see what he's saying when he puts these two ideas together? He's saying it's wise to trust in God. It's foolish to trust in your own strength. And yet, people keep trusting in their own strength. The heart is perverse. Who can understand it? We are all addicted to trying to climb out of our valleys on our own strength, trying to be rocks that somehow roll themselves up and over the hill. We are addicted to trying to save ourselves. I mean, how many of us have stood before the mirror fixed ourselves with a firm glare and declared, I'm never going to do that again. This time, it'll be different. Only to find ourselves right back in front of the same mirror, making the same promises. This is reliance on our own strength. This is living in the valley the shadow of death. Now my friend Scotty Smith said something once that should be of great comfort to those of us who spend our time in the valley, who trudge through the parched desert and the uninhabited salt land, trying and failing to save ourselves. Scotty says this, Grace runs downhill. So valleys are a good thing, and it's okay to get knocked off your high horse occasionally. Grace runs downhill. So valleys are a good thing, and it's okay to get knocked off our high horse occasionally. What good news that is. Grace runs down hill. This is what Jesus was proclaiming when he gathered the people together and began to preach, blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you. And when they exclude you, revile you, and defame you on account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day. Leap for joy, for surely your reward is great 
in heaven. These beatitudes are all about grace running downhill. Remember what Jesus told the woman at the well. That if she just drank the water from the well, soon enough she'd be thirsty again. She'd continue to walk through the parched desert and the uninhabited salt land. She'd continue making the same promises in the mirror time after time. Just like you. And just like me. But, Jesus said, I will give you living water. Drink from me and you will never be thirsty again. This is what the grace of God in Jesus Christ does. It runs downhill. It runs gushing down off the mountain and into the desert. And everything it touches blooms with incredible fruit. Deserts like us turn into lush pastures. Water is turned into wine. This is what Jesus does. This is grace running downhill. This is the whole story of Jesus. The sinless one became sin so that we, the sinful ones, could become the righteousness of God. He who was God incarnate did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but instead emptied himself, giving his goodness to us, coming down. He came down from heaven to earth. He came from the other side of the hill with its towns and castles and mountains and valleys to us, sitting like two stones in our sin and redeemed us. When we stand looking at ourselves in the mirror, it is Jesus who looks back at us and reminds us that while we are promise breakers, He is a promise keeper. Grace runs downhill. We are residents of a parched desert and an uninhabited salt land. We are two stones stuck on the wrong side of the hill. But Jesus comes. He comes down. Theologians say that He condescends. He descends to be with us. He lowers Himself to be with us. His roaring stream of life-giving water bursts into our barren deserts, rushes into our desolate salt lands, ushering us into glorious new life in His name. This new life is yours today and forever. Amen.